0: Well, thank you so much. That's a wonderful thing about partnership with these churches, and um, it's good for me to be back. I've been in good old Los Angeles for the last couple of weeks um, at a conference and then preaching in a a small church plant in Los Angeles, and I'm so glad to be back, and you can be thankful even though it's warm in here, it was 120 degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, I've got up the... The one morning, and I thought, oh, there's clouds, need to realize it was smog. And so, thank God we live on this beautiful island, I tell you. Uh, just, yeah, <laughs> God reminds me whenever I feel sorry for myself. And I wanted to go to, had an afternoon off. Um, Paul was down there, BJ was down there. And had an afternoon off, um, so we thought we got to get to the ocean. And we were about 45 k's away from the ocean, and it was a Sunday afternoon and it took us an hour and a half to get there and an hour and a half to get back. So pray for those poor people. And the, the amazing thing is they're so deluded, deluded they think they're living in paradise. <laughs> but great. Um, yeah, It's really good to be here and um, I'm looking forward to the series. Another thing I'll be if you come to this church, you'll notice that I'm not here all the time, but, um, there's a very good reason for that. Um, you know, Deborah and I are part of the apostolic oversight of New Covenant Ministries International. And so we have the privilege of going and helping churches, particular church plants, get up and going. And, um, and so in Los Angeles, we were there. B. And I, the church plant, is a brand new baby. And uh, just to, to encourage them, blow wind in the sails is an absolute privilege. I think they've got about thirty or forty people, and uh, it's continuing to grow. And then a few weeks' time, I'm going to be in New Zealand and doing ministry over there, part of a conference and of a number of churches. And last year, just in case we somebody people say, "Are you going on holiday again?" I wish it was. Last year we were in Australia. And uh, in six weeks, we did 27 meetings. And um, don't feel sorry for us. We live for this. We love it. And we love to see churches encouraged. So please pray for us and for the time coming ahead. But um, I felt this morning to speak on the presence of God, um, something that um, the saints of old certainly focused on more than maybe what we do too. And often in church and so on, I think sometimes it's wonderful that God blesses us with technology, but um, I wonder sometimes whether we don't rely on things like that more than the presence of God. And uh, just getting back to the basics, talking of that, this stage will be gone next week. Praise God. Why? Because there's a bigger building coming behind there, and in a month's time, a year, I wish a month, a year's time, there's going to be a state-of-the-art building there, four times the size of this. uh, That we are partnering with the school, uh, with some finances and other ways with the school. God showed us many years ago, told us not to build a building, but to partner with the school. So we invest as much as we can in that. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. But it does um, uh, mess mess up parking and all of the good stuff and and so on. And we're going to turn next week. We'll have a little stage there. And we just like when we started, a little church plant, except with a lot more people. So please um, celebrate it. Pray for the school. And if you are able-bodied and more able-bodied or whatever it is, and uh, if there's parking across the road... Uh, when you come, especially if you come early uh, and you can do that, we would appreciate it just to free up space for visitors and people that can't walk that well. So yeah, be positive. Telling the team that all the time. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. But listen, talking on the presence of God and you know, looking at some of the saints of old and now I've got to a stage where I'd love to be in a position like Elisha, and we can be, we, he heard the whispers of God in the midst of a storm, and often we're in storms, and he had come through a, a, a trying time uh, and was running away because of a threat on his life, and he cries out to God, and God's not in the thunder, he's not in the, the wind, he's not in the fire, he's in the still, small voice, he speaks to him. And I think sometimes we need to understand in the midst of the storms, instead of doing stuff, we need to check back and spend time with our God because God has gone before us. He knows uh, his plans for us, and uh, often um, he becomes a last resort. What do I say, we have something go wrong in our life. Let's say, um, yeah, a, a, a medical thing and we go to the doctor, the, the doctor can't do anything, and so on, just like this. And this is not an example of that. Prayer's been going all the time. But it's often sometimes when we're at the end of ourselves where we turn to God. Could be our marriage, it could be anything like that. And God wants to be, is and wants to be involved the whole way through. You know, think about Moses. It says in, in um, Exodus 33... That the Lord would speak to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. It says in that same chapter. Why is that? Why was that? Because Moses made time for God. Moses was leading a million grumpy people. That forgot how bad it was in Egypt. And they all wanted to go home and they didn't like the food and they didn't like this. But he would go outside of the camp and he would have a tent of meeting, a place where he met with God, away from all the noise, where God would speak to him face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And I want to ask ourselves, where is our tent of meeting are we spending that time with God and in his presence? Are we hearing the voice of God? I was thinking of Philip, the great evangelist uh, that, uh, in Acts, uh, in, Acts 8, um, um, in Acts 8, yeah, that's right, in Acts 8. Persecution has broken out. He goes off to Samaria. And when he's in Samaria, and an incredible, incredible revival breaks out. We want to see revival in the city. Go and read Acts 8. He arrived there. People were set free from demonic oppression. People were healed, delivered, saved. And was such a great outpouring of God's Spirit that um, the apostles in Jerusalem heard about it and they went to check it out. And they go there and they begin to lead this revival. The amazing thing, in the midst of that revival... The Lord says to Philip, leave here and, uh, and go into the desert. Now, think about that. Because I try and imagine myself being in those positions. When I think of the Lord speaking to Moses face to face and that relationship, I want to imagine it. And I was thinking, what happened if I was Philip? And I came to Nanaimo, and this thing, this place just broke out in revival, and then God called me on in the midst of it. I wonder whether I would think that was the devil or God. Hey, God, I I was here when this started. This is going, we need to stay here. But in the midst of that, in the midst of that great revival, he hears the voice of God and he obeys it with confidence. And we know that through that, um, Ethiopian eunuch was saved. Uh, and baptized, and through that, the gospel began to go through Africa. Amazing amazing things happened. It was way bigger than one city. God had nations on his heart. Well, the voice Paul heard in in Corinth and other places where he was under tremendous trial. In fact, uh, the elders of the church in Ephesus were begging him not to go back to Jerusalem because they said, you're going to get... Uh, put in jail and bad stuff's got to go. But he said, no, I've heard God's voice and I'm compelled by the Spirit to do this. And we walked in and we know that, that, that in, in these times, Paul relied on God. You see, circumstances don't always change immediately because there's something that we might have to speak about sometime called the refiner's fire. Ouch. God allows us to go through fires, allows us to go through storms, to teach us and to uh, draw us closer to him. And we see that right through the Bible. You see, we need to learn the art of listening to God and not simply talking to God. My prayer list. Lord, this, Lord, my children, my, my job, my finances. Lord, this, 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 this. Okay, tick, 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 tick. Okay, thank you, Lord. And we move on. You see, Moses understood that he needed God's house uh, help. These, these great prophets understood that. And in Exodus 33, 12 to 13, Moses is speaking to God in his tent of meeting. And he says to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not told me whom you had sent with me. You have said, I know you by name, and I found fa- and, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. I just want to stop there. What was Moses saying? Lord, I know that you've called me to lead these people. We've left Egypt. You've done mighty miracles. We're now in the desert. I know what you want me to do, but I need to know how to do it. I know your will, God, you've been telling me, but now teach me your ways. We know that in the Word of God says, God's ways are way higher than our ways, as high as the heaven is above the earth. And I'm sure Moses wasn't expecting this answer. And he said this, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses, be a person of my presence. I will lead you daily. I will talk to you. I will show you the ways of God. And in that you will find rest. Imagine the stress of a thousand million people in the desert. How much food daily did God supply? Supernaturally. Think about it. Amazing miracles. Is Moses, don't fret about it. Enter into my rest. And in Jeremiah thirty-three, 3, we read this, and it's a, it's a little verse, but make a note of it, because many of us are wanting to know unsearchable things about our lives, about our loved ones, our life with God, whatever it is. We have many questions, and God simply says this to. Jeremiah, call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. How many of you think, people, how many of us have things unsearchable things, things that we worry about, things that we are wondering, that we do not know? See, we're so quick to call, but not that quick to wait for the answer, to wait on God. And sometimes it's a process where God leads us and shows us his, his ways and we can walk, a, 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 a walk them out with him. You see, that's what we need to do, we Need people of the presence. And I called Jeremiah 33.3, three God's telephone number. So stick it in your cell phone and dial it when you need it. If you get a direct reply, let me know. That will be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what should be our first response when we're in a trial. Jehoshaphat was facing a mighty army. A mighty army of enemies were coming against Israel. And there's a lot of fear. And King Jehoshaphat, and the first thing he, he said, did was call a fast. They fasted and prayed, and God gave him a strategy, and he won the, the, the battle. The interesting thing is, while I read that, if you read the Bible like you're part of the story, it becomes very interesting. Like you're next to Jehoshaphat or there or you are Jehoshaphat, whatever it is. And while I read that, I thought, what would have my first response have been if I was the president of a nation or king of a nation that was going to go to war? I'm sure my first response would be to find my generals, okay. How many horses we got? How many chariots? How many soldiers? Okay, great. Now how many have the enemy got? Ten times more. Oh, we better pray. He prayed first. It didn't matter the size of the enemy. God was on his side, and God is with us. And God wants to have a relationship with us. The amazing thing, Genesis 1 starts with a God of relationship. He makes a garden, a temple, an amazing place where he'd meet with Adam and Eve and speak to them and walk with them. And through sin that was lost, through Jesus Christ restored. But the story ends even better than the beginning. Not only in Genesis he made a garden to be with his people forever, Until man sinned, and then revelation, he creates a brand new heaven and a brand new earth so that he can hang with us forever and ever. You think this earth is beautiful? You think it's great, British Columbia? Imagine a brand new one, a brand new, where we're in the presence of God day and night, God of relationship He's not a God there that, okay, put my request in, send it off on Google, want this, package comes back. No. He forces us sometimes, unfortunately, to our knees so that we can cry out to him. But you know what? God wants a relationship. It's amazing another thing for me that when we are under trials, we are closer to God than we're not. God's intention is not for us to go through trials our whole life. His intention is for us to have a relationship. And can we not have that relationship when we are totally blessed? And can we not then be like God, a giver who's given us so much so that we are conduits of his blessing to others? That's what God intended. That's what the book of Judges is all about. And the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. So he whack them. They cry out to God. He delivers them. They forget that he delivered them, and he has to whack them again. Do you think he wanted to do that? Do you think the prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah, and the, Jeremiah pleading... Pleading, pleading with the nation, an oracle of God pleading, turn back to God or you will go into exile. Turn back to God or this is all going to, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, we're cool. When it happened, our relationship needs to be more than that. Church, this church, one of the first prophetic words, and I'll show it to you uh, uh, sometime, was that this church would be, we would be a people of the presence above all else. I'll show you the first ever prophetic word. And we are, there's a sense of the presence here, but God wants us to go deeper still, deeper still. Deepest soul, God wants to bless us and bless us more and more. And in that bless us, He wants us to love Him more, and greater relationship. God is not a stingy God. I told you the story once about I love gardening. I must confess, I know it's not such a manly thing, but I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love birds, feathered birds. They come into my yard and eat all the food. And in South Africa, we had this tree, a poplar tree. It looks like an oak tree. And those weaver birds, if you've ever watched um, uh, National Geographic and something, you see it's a yellow bird, and they, they build these things, a beautiful nest. They weave these things on the tree. But the problem is they all like to hang out together. They're pretty friendly birds to each other. So if there's one nest in the tree, there might be 500. And the next tree. And it's like this. So they were across the road. This tree was across the road. So I thought I want them to hang in my garden. So I was going to start feeding them. So I got the biggest feeder I could. And I put the seed in. Put it in the top. I went inside, Almost literally that same day. It went empty. Jeez. So bigger bag. Bigger feeder. Eventually I said, what the heck? I'm just going to get... Old bread and chuck it out there. Whatever I threw out there that they wanted to eat, they ate. And I was getting exasperated. And I almost said to God, this is incredible. He says, I feed every bird every day. Every day. Think of the millions and billions of tons of food that God supplies for every bird. When I look at Mount Benson and my house looks on Mount Benson, God's not a stingy God. I look at that and I say, I wonder if I could count all the trees on that one little hill. You see, if God was stingy, he would have made one planet, one tree, one bird, one person. He's a God of abundance. And we need to tap and we need to understand that. But his ways are not our ways. And to get uh, to, to reap, we have to sow. We have to give of our lives. Love. If you are lonely, start reaching out to people who are more lonely than you. See our God, if you are struggling with your finances, don't eat the seed. We sow seed. All of those errors, these are biblical principles, they are laws, biblical laws, spiritual laws. And they're in the Word of God. It's like gravity. If you jump out of a building, no matter what you think is going to happen, you're going to hit that floor at quite a speed. And you might enjoy, enjoy the first 200 feet if it's a big building, but that last few inches, not so much fun. Spiritual laws. You reap what you sow. And we think it's just money. It's life. It's life. Why is this all happening? God says, let me let me show you some of the things that I want to adjust in your life. I love you, my boy. I care for you. I want the best for you. But these are the things that you need to deal with to come through. So we call unto God and let that be our first response every day. Call unto God. God. Open my hands. Lord, what is your strategy? What do you have for me? And we're led by the Spirit. It's not, God, doesn't, God can speak audibly, but it's more in the heart. You know. You know. How many of you have walked past somebody and you've noticed, you felt that nudging to speak to, to them? And you walk on. And you know. That's the prompting of God. The prompting of God to be a blessing. Because, how's people out there going to know that God loves them? He can only know that through us. And if we don't love ourselves, and we don't forgive ourselves, and we don't forgive others, Jesus himself said, A house divided will not stand. That's the word of God spoken by the word of God, Jesus, the living word. It will not stand. It's not the main art, and we see that, and we see that in churches. Enemy just saw some stuff, offense, all of this unforgiveness, all of this stuff. We take that bait, then you just say, okay, let me go into the next church because I've done my job here. Church splits, churches close. People get messed up. It was never God's intention. And we need to understand the ways of God. You see, it's in the presence of God where we need to dig spiritual wells. Digging wells. In Proverbs 4, 22-23. 20 this is an amazing scripture. My son, pay attention to... To what I say. Listen closely. And like I say, most it's a still small voice, so it's the voice of the heart. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight and keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a whole man's body. Then this is the amazing thing. In the whole book of Proverbs, which is an amazing book to read, it says, above All else that you will read guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. Rivers of living water need to flow through that. And we see this in Genesis 26. The Bible says first the natural, then the supernatural. So there's physical wells and there's spiritual wells. Both of them do the same thing. They bring life. We see in Genesis 26, there was a famine in the land, and Isaac's there, and he inquires of God what he should do. First thing he did, famine in the land, let's say this, no jobs in the Naimo. Oh, we better move. What happens if God wants you to stay here? Enemy can arrange circumstances way better than you can. If we circumstantial, live. I'm not saying stay if God doesn't tell you to. But there's this famine. And he inquires of God, and what is he of God? God, should I go down to the Nile Delta to Egypt or should I stay here? Remembering a few chapters before, his father had, done, had gone to Egypt when there was a famine before, and God had told him to do this. So he asked, and God says, no, stay in the land of famine. And he stays. And because of his obedience, God blesses him. He sows in the land of famine, sows in a drought, and he reaps a hundredfold, a supernatural harvest. And as a result, the Philistines then begin to envy him, and they quarrel. So, we're going to pick up in Genesis 26 for time. Go and read Genesis 26. There's amazing strategy in there that God gives us. You see, I'm not in, I didn't leave Africa because I was afraid of Africa. I was afraid of whatever went there. I've been to places that I love, those places. I've been through some wild, wild places with God. And I love those adventures. When God called us to come to Canada 20 years ago and we planted this church, not knowing one Christian in Canada with me and my family. When God called us to do that, I had to question. I told Deborah, I will never leave Africa. Don't say never to God. (laughs) But God shifted our hearts and we clearly heard and we clearly heard that it was Canada, and we're so blessed, and we're praying that God will never, ever take us away from Canada again. I love it. Canadian citizen, all of that. My maple leaf, I've got big flags, all of that. I think immigrants are more excited about Canada Day than Canadians themselves. (laughs) My house looked like a Christmas tree with flags. (laughs) Down the road, there must be immigrants. We're grateful to be, and we love it. So, they begin to quarrel. Think this as you living in Nanaimo, there's no jobs, or you living in Vancouver, and God says, stay, stay here. This is where I've called you. But in that, God begins to bless you, and people begin to get jealous, because you're so blessed. Maybe people in the church, maybe people in the world. So, they start to quarrel with them. So, he moves on. Now, he didn't move out of the place. He just moved down the road, okay? I'll give you some space. I'll move down the road. And it says here, Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names as his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water. Remember, Jesus, out of us will flow rivers of living water. All who are thirsty, come to me, John 7. He says, come to me, all who are thirsty, and out of your innermost being I will unlock the wells, and the, river, and the water will begin to flow. And he opens the wells, which the Philistines had stopped. Okay. But the herders of Gerah quarrel with them because they want the water. They were too lazy to dig their own well, too lazy to dig their own spiritual wells. People want others to dig their spiritual well for them. And I tell you what, secondhand revelation has a shelf life of like about two seconds. They wanted what he had. They didn't want to do the work, the prayer, the fasting, the spending time with God. And the the leaders quarrel, and he said, the water is out. So he named the well Essex. Now this is important. That, na- that name calls cont- is a, uh, contention. You may name that well contention. And then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one and they made that sitna, which means strife and se- separation. Contention, strife, separation will drive our wells quicker than anything else. It's like rocks at a time. We fill them up, and then when the spirit begins, uh, dries up, we become religious and judgmental and all of those things. And God says, just redig that well. Take those things out that are causing that. And he dug another well down the road and called it Rehoboth. He didn't argue with them. And that means wide and open space. And that's where God wants us to live. So we dig our wells in our hearts by dealing with unforgiveness, contention, strife, compromise. In Psalm 84, I've got two more scriptures. I've only preached for 25 minutes, but it's so hot, so maybe it seems like two hours, but I'm just reminding you of that because I'm looking at the clock. (laughs) So what you do, this will be online. If you fall asleep, Put your fan or your echo on you and listen to it again. Because these are important truths, church. If we want to be people of the presence, God said he will draw people into this church who will value the presence as much as we value them. But if we don't value it, And it's just not the pastors, it's us corporately. You see this church, in a church, there's a corporate anointing that should come. The people of the presence. So we've all got a little stream in us that's been running. We've been uh, and taking out the rocks that are digging, and we're digging new wells. And But we come in here like flat batteries. These poor guys are here. They've been, and we just suck. Suck all the life out of them. But imagine if we came full of the presence, and your little stream joined up with my little stream, and, your, and there were 200, 100, 200, 300, I don't know. Little streams become a river, and that's called a corporate anointing. It comes together and God begins to do things. Miracles begin to happen. He begins to move supernaturally, but it's up to us to dig our wells. If you are waiting for an Isaac to dig your well, you're not. All you're going to do is because he's going to be blessed and you're not maybe, you're going to quarrel with him. You're going to want what he has. And it does not work like that because God wants relationship. It's not because He's angry with you. He's trying to get our attention. God is not giving us a bigger building to keep it empty, but it doesn't matter if it's full of people if we don't on people of the presence. And the only reason He'll want to fill that building is so that we can take the presence, more of us, out there and be salt and light to those. You know. Jesus says, we're the salt of the earth. And he says, if a salt has lost its saltiness, you drink salt and you get thirsty. And God wants us to be thirsty. Thirsty for him. Amen? So this is it. Psalm 84. Read this. It's an incredible psalm. And he says this. The writer, I think it's David. Blessed of those, it is the psalm of David actually, blessed of those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. That is a spiritual journey. We come in as little babies. We're saved, we're born again, and it's all about feed me, feed me, feed me. But 50 years later, we shouldn't be on a bottle, spiritually, and in a diaper store. We should have grown up and matured. And that pilgrimage is our life where God wants to mature us and grow us up so that we can feed others. Our strength is in you. They pass through the Valley of Baca. Now, this is very important. These names in the Bible are very important. It's, that means the Valley of Tears. We've all been through those valleys. They make it a place of springs. And the, autumn, and the autumn autumn rain covers it with pools. I want to stop there. God is in a divine partnership with us. We bring out zero percent, and He brings all hundred percent, and He partners with us. So while we're in those places, He's saying, He's saying to the people, "When you go dig a well, dig a well. That's how a desert becomes a spring." We dig a well. The water, they're natural springs too. We dig a well. And as we dig in this well that has a supply of water, God brings a rain. And he just rains down on us. Blessing and anointing and everything we have. And they go from strength to strength. And it's the same in the spiritual. We need to dig wells in our hearts. By spending time in his presence. Question, how much time this week? In worship. I sing like a frog, so I put worship stuff, music on very loud. In prayer, in meditation. You see, that's digging our well. You can come here. We can take a few rocks out today. But that's what it's about. You see, the significance of a well is something incredible. It's an access to a much larger source that would never have been discovered if the well was, wasn't dug. Think about it. You can be walking through the desert. There's no water. There's nothing. You're dying of thirst. And you find a place and you dig a well, and all of a sudden that water begins to flow. Now in the spiritual, the same. We will not access these things unless we dig. They're there. The resources are there of heaven. A well is not subject to circumstance. Deserts, they're wells. And it's possible to die of thirst in a desert with a well five feet under you. And you see the amazing thing, that every time we dig a spiritual well, we unlock the portals and the resources of heaven, which are unfathomable. Not subject to circumstance, not subject to economies, not subject to governments, not subject to anything. There's a walk of faith where we walk above our circumstances, where we trust God, where we, we give Him our first fruits, and we trust Him in these times. And things are going bad. He says, dig a well, dig a well, my boy, dig, dig, dig. And I tell you, when you do that, in and you're going through trials, God promises in Philippians 4 that the peace of God will come upon you, the shalom of God. Go and Google shalom. It's not just peace out, bro. It's an amazing word. There's so many different assets. Shalom will come upon you and it will transcend your natural understanding. The situation says out of control, hearts at peace. And it will guard your heart. Remember, we were told to guard our hearts. That will do that for you, this transcendent peace of God. You see, God is always present with us. He's no less present at your workplace or in a bar or anywhere else than he is in the church. Shocking. No, or in our homes. The question is this not is God present? The question is, are we present with Him? And I want to use this analogy cell phones. People text during the service because I've been overseas and got texts from them, and I look at the time. serious hey bro how you doing 11 o'clock on a 10 30 on a sunday morning vancouver time what the heck we think you're taking notes reading the bible present god's present but you're not present and then you want all the blessing while everybody's digging I'm talking to myself as much as you. There's big logs in my eyes. Don't worry about that. I've got to worry about that. <laughs> it's like, have you, you go to restaurants now. And I was in LA and sitting there with another pastor one evening having a meal, chatting. And there's this couple and I saw them. Lovely couple, young couple, come out for this meal. They sit down at the table, they order, and they sit like this. The other person's present. They're not present. They're both not present. Why waste your money? Do that at home. Get a McDonald's. It's cheaper if that's all you want. (laughs) Parents. Kids. Not present. In church. Not present. And yet we want those benefits, and they're right there. Church, this is a bad thing. This should be switched off sometimes. I challenge you, one day this week, and if you do it, I'll give you the first one to tell me 50 bucks. (laughs) Not all of you. Okay, I need it for work. Switch it off on a Saturday for a whole day and a Sunday. Switch it off. See if you can speak to your husband or wife instead of dick, 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 moji, hot, hot, kiss, kiss. (laughs) Is that how you're going to work when your wife says, okay, hot, hot? No. Well, what are we going to talk about? I have no idea. Guys, this is a tool that can be used for good, but it's destroying relationships. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying families because also we can click onto stuff that will destroy us even more, one click away from a disaster. And yet this rules us. And I'm speaking as a pastor. Yeah, I get lots of texts from every all the time. You know, sometimes I'm in such a good place with God and then I get a text that's not so good. And I said, why the heck did I even pick it up? Why didn't I wait for it? You know what I mean? Guys, the enemy is not a fool. But we can be here. God is present, but we're not. I was going to read another scripture, but I'll give it to you to read. Psalm 139. Amazing. Amazing scripture on the presence of God. So, church, we always want more of God or more of everything. And in a sense, that's not bad. But we live in a society that doesn't want to work for it. We want more stuff. I don't want to be political. More free stuff from the government. Problem with that free stuff is your children and their children have to pay it back one day. There's no such thing as free stuff. If you're getting free stuff and you need it from the government, praise God. But if you're not, my taxes are paying for your free stuff. And yours are. We need to have a sober look at these things. And I'm not saying if, you, if, the, if, you, if they're there and we... We benefit from it too, but it becomes a culture. It's not like a safety net. It's like a right. And God becomes like that. God, I want your free stuff. I want the free salvation. I want all of that. But I really don't want to put any effort into this. And thank God I'm going to wait for three weeks so you can. (laughs) But church... I want us to get serious with God. We have a pre-service prayer meeting. This is not a guilt thing. People are here talking in the back there, their back row, and we're praying or something like that. But they want the free stuff. They want the blessing. And I'm not saying, please, guys. This is for me. I'm getting desperate for more of God. I want to see God come through in power. God has... Prophesied and things and spoken to me about things he wants to do, and I keep on saying why, why, why. And it gets back to this for me and for us. Imagine a hundred people come forward with the presence, and two hundred don't, and they just sucked in into that relationship. Imagine what God can do. Moses delivered a people. A whole nation with a stick. I said God, "What have I got to do this mighty job?" I said, "What you got in your hand?" I got a stick. Okay, chuck it on the ground. Ah, supernaturally use that stick to deliver a nation. Then say, "Okay, how many atom bombs have you got in mirages or whatever they are? How many bullets have you got? How many arrows? How many?" No. You got a stick, stick in your hand. Being obedient to me will transform a nation. What have we got in our hands? We always what we, we don't have. God, if I had this, most, Lord, yeah. If I had five hundred chariots, maybe I could do this. No. Gets to the sea. The the armies are coming against them. People are freaking out. They've got their backs to the water, and they can't swim. They lived in a desert. God, what shall we do? Moses, stretch out your stick. Poof. 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 <laughs> Case closed. God, a million people, how much water does a million people drink a day? God, there's no water. Get your stick, Moses. Dink. Rivers. What has God put in your hand? What can you use and turn it into a supernatural tool? We're waiting for this. We're waiting for that. We're wanting this. We're wanting that. And God has given it to us. We have the power of God, the anointing of God, the presence of God. We have everything we need to change. And do you know why God likes to use sticks? Sticks. Do you know why God in, in Corinthians 1 says he l- likes to use foolish people? Because he, when he does that, when he uses a community on the backside of a city, I go around the world, where are you from? Nanaimo. Nanaimo? No, Nanaimo. Nanaimo? That kind of stuff, then where is it? Well, hey, what's your building like? I says, it's a gym. And it's on a road called Jingle Pot. (laughs) You think you're laughing. You tell it at a conference. (laughs) What? Yeah. God wants to use the foolish. God wants to use us because then we know it's God. If he gives us everything, how will we ever know? Can we bow our heads, please? Can we come beach and we just do that? Song, Bless the Lord. Guys, I'm asking you, and I'm asking myself, I felt, I actually spoke on this in the church in L.A., but not as much depth and maybe not as directly because I'm speaking to my own family here. But I felt in a sense that this was a sober assembly, Whoever's here, this is it. God wanted, I felt that I'm not, I just felt that. I also felt God is not angry. God is not angry with us. It's the exact opposite. He's so loving and caring that he actually can't live without us. God cannot live without you. How do I know that? He gave his son for you. And he is wanting to raise up a people all over the world, little groups. I had an opportunity of spending with the pastor from Haiti in LA, and he wants us to go there next year, talking of miracles. There's no medical, there's no water, there's no nothing. God is providing supernaturally. And if we will just open our hands and you say, What have you got? You've got an open hand. God cannot fill a clenched fist. Stop holding on to your stuff. Stop holding on to what you want to do. But you open your hand and say, God, I've got really nothing, but I want you to give me. I want to give me, God. Then He can start to fill it. So, okay, my boy. Now I'm going to take you through some more fires and I'm going to take you through deserts and I'm going to take you through beautiful adventures and through times of peace and all of that but I'm with you and I'm going to walk with you and if you lead me and you trust me I'll make sure that you win because the day you die you will be with me forever and ever and ever and ever we win church no matter what happens we win if we are saved we win we win we win we win win every time And if we can live in that place, God, yeah, it's tough, God. Yes, it is, my boy. But trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Do you love me, my boy? Yes. I love you too, so hold my hand. And when you walk through the fires, you won't get burned. Psalm Psalm 23 is a psalm, a pilgrim. That's a pilgrim psalm to me. Even though we walk, through the valley of the shadow of death and it could be physical death but it could just be I feel God like dying I'm so overwhelmed and he says fear not for I am with you and in that time as we begin to dig our wells and spend God to say he says do you know what I'm going to do I'm not going to take the enemies away but we're going to have a party in their faces. I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Can we put Psalm 23 up there? Thank you. This is the good shepherd. Hold you in his hand. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There are people with billions of dollars that are never satisfied and want more what does a man with a hundred billion want another hundred billion for and you look at these we shall not want and, and wanting is not just physical stuff it's that, that emptiness in our lives that we think we can fill with more stuff if I had a new car, if I had a new boat or if I had a new wife, my old wife's no good or this kind of people that's how people think because there's this God-shaped vacuum. C.S. Lewis says this, in every single one of us, and only God can fill that. So, sell not 1, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes we're running so fast that the shepherd has to make us lie down. We're running so fast. He leads me beside quiet waters. Yes, we go through amazing times in His presence and He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name, sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death with this physical, mental, emotional, I will fear no evil because maybe not Anybody else is with me, but Thou art with me. Oh God, Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Spiritual enemies, physical enemies, doesn't matter. He says, come and feast at my table. Come spend time with me. And you anoint my head with oil. my cup overflows. The anointing. Oil, the Holy Spirit. You begin to pour your Spirit upon me. You begin to, I feel that in the midst of the storms, Lord. I feel your presence. I feel your anointing. And sometimes you say, Lord, I want to stay in this place. And he says, you can. We could walk like that every day and my cup overflows and surely goodlands and love or oh, mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever forever and ever and ever and ever <laughs> Church there's a place that God wants us to take us that transcends circumstance. That although we go through them, we're not overwhelmed. And your friends will see you, grow. I see what you're going through. How are you doing it? Come, let me show you. Let me show you. So Holy Spirit, just in these last few moments, just sense the presence of God now. Just, just receive it. Close your eyes. Open your hands if you want to. Just Holy Spirit begin to rain down. You said, as we dig a well, you will bring the rain. I pray that for the thirsty today, for the hurting, Lord. I pray that in the midst of the storms, they'll sense your presence and your anointing. I pray that, Lord, that we'll go from this place a changed people. And as you said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Lord, we we pray for rest for our souls. Sometimes we lie in our bed and we can't even sleep because we're so restless. Lord, we give our stuff to you. We give our lives to you. We ask you to come in power. To set us free. All our fountains are in you, Lord.